Welcome, Bridge Builders. On today's episode, we had the privilege of interviewing a good friend to Garrett and his wife, Louise. Her name is Jacqueline, and it was an honor to have her express some of her views on the church, church culture, and her personal beliefs. Jacqueline is an active, Temple Recommend holding member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we were excited to build a bridge with her and understand her point of view on things in this episode. We hope you enjoy it. We wanted to thank our listeners for the generous donations that we've received so far. We're trying to get another microphone and other recording equipment so that we can have more interviews like this one. If you enjoy Latter-day Bridge Builders podcast and would like to donate to help the cause, you can find my Venmo handle in the show notes. Thanks again to those who've already donated. And thank you to all listeners who are supporting this podcast just by listening to it. One last notice before the show starts. In post-production, I noticed that the audio levels and sound of this episode are a little bit different than those in the past. I apologize for that, and hopefully we can have things fixed for our future episodes. Lastly, please remember that we are not experts on religion, theology, or Mormonism. Any views expressed herein belong to those who made the statement and do not necessarily reflect the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or its membership. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a special guest with us. We have Jacqueline Schneider Pettit, one of Garrett and Louise, Garrett and his wife Louise's friends, um, and she was willing to come onto the podcast today. So the brave soul. That's right, <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline. We're so happy you came on the podcast. We know this is kind of new. This is scary, you know. But we're just so happy that you're with us talking today because we've just been craving like a voice from within the church that can kind of counterbalance any bias that we have. And just the fact that you're willing to come here, give it a go. We're just so happy to have you here. I'm, I'm actually excited. I love having conversations like this. So, And I thought you would. So, <laughs> so I'm so, so stoked that we asked you. Yeah. So Jacqueline, let me just explain how we know Jacqueline. So um, my wife, Louise, is Swedish. She's from Sweden. And she served a short-term mission in Sweden with Jacqueline. Jacqueline was, were you her trainer? It was. She yeah. Louise was actually the answer to my prayer. I was like, please don't let me leave this country without having a Swedish companion so I could learn better Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> but Louise was amazing. She was perfect. She loved, like, from what I've, what I've heard, she loved her time with you in Sweden. And yeah, it's just so cool that you have, we have that background. We've seen you guys several times over the years. And like when we actually moved to Utah, you helped us a ton and kind of like integrating into the community, introducing us to some of your friends. So anyway, we just love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you guys too, <laughs> especially with Louise, but yeah, yeah. I'm loving you too. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, go ahead and just tell us a bit about yourself. Um, just kind of who you are. A little, little yeah. background on me. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, here in Bountiful with these two gentlemen and I, uh, I grew up overseas as a child and moved to the States when I was in middle school. Uh, and then I went to college at BYU. I served a mission in Sweden. And since then, I'm going to say, unfortunately, I've been stuck in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to leave, isn't it? it? Is. <laughs> My husband is stuck here due to the beautiful surroundings, which I agree they are so beautiful. But I think with my background of growing up in different places, I just feel this still desire to travel and you've got the itch kind of move around (laughs) understandable (laughs) yeah so uh i would also add because we're talking about the church that i am an active member in my ward uh we were taught i was just how do i say that i'm an active member what's the appropriate term (laughs) i have a temple recommend i listen to general conference you're a good mormon i'm all in i guess i don't know yeah Okay, that's awesome. Uh, Did you grow up in the church? Um, Yes. So I believe um, one of the questions was kind of like my journey in the church. And uh, I think a really big part of sometimes you hear these crazy stories of people and you're like, whoa, that he was like, he went to a different church than I did. Um, And I think a big part of it is kind of your background. And I have um, a very not deep root system in the church. I was hearing you kind of have like pioneer stock. 
Mm-hmm. Um, both of my grandparents joined the church. So my on my mother's side, my grandfather, my grandpa Arthur, he was in the Midwest as a vet, veterinarian, and he stayed in a couple of homes of the farmers that he was treating their cows, and they ended up being members of the church. And that's how he was introduced to the church. And my um, his wife, my grandmother, Emma, she was the last one to be baptized and was she's she's always been like kind of like the black sheep, like still <laughs> skeptical wanting to drink one. coffee, <laughs> you know, a little bit uh, rough around the edges. Sure. And then on my father's side, he did uh, my grandfather, my grandpa Bob. He did come from a background of the church, but had not um, really grown up active um, from his parents. Um, and when he was married to my grandmother, my grandma Ada, she, he was a firefighter, so he was away and she, the missionaries knocked on their door. I think it wasn't really missionaries. It was more like, um, stake missionaries or someone, uh, members of the church mm-hmm. who were trying to probably reactivate people or something like that. And, um, she, that was the first time she heard about the church and invited them in. And my grandfather, as uh, firefighters, like have long shifts. He was away for like 48 hours. And then when he came back, he's like, what, what? We're joining a church. (laughs) Um, She's like, oh, we're going to go to your church. He's like, what? (laughs) So um, I think that plays a big role that it's such a new, uh, new faith, I think. And that I heard a lot about their conversion stories and the sacrifices they made personally. I like met them. Mm-hmm. Wasn't some like great, great, great grandfather who chose to up and leave and change mm-hmm. his life. And I heard it um, individually or like, uh, yeah, personally from them, the, the changes that they felt in their life. And I think another part of my journey was also that we grew up overseas as a child. My parents started in Egypt. They lived in Saudi they lived for short stints in the state and then went to Greece and then to India. And so with that background, my my parents would say that the church, there was not really a big church culture. Mm-hmm. The church was our family. Yeah. Um, that's kind of awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, <laughs> we need to move. <laughs> <laughs> I want my children to have the same thing I had. But um do you think also that the fact that you were exposed to so many very unique cultures oh all that gosh. time, it didn't feel like maybe being a member of the church was all that unique in, in a way. But those are even like not even Christian countries, Correct. right? Like yeah. Very Muslim yeah. or Hindu. And yeah, such different yeah. cultures, different types of people. I, I remember the first time going to my elementary school and we had show and tell and someone went to, they said, I went to church and shared a little experience. And I went back and I was like, why didn't I see them at church? And then I was like, oh, we don't all go to the same church. <laughs> There's lots of different churches. Um, so I do think that makes a big role. And I think that is something that I want for my children. And I think I want for other people that if you're stuck here in Utah or if you're stuck in Louisiana or if you're stuck in a small town in England, you're going to have cultural things and you're going to feel like the world revolves around this problem of this culture. But really, it's so helpful to meet so many people from different places, different backgrounds, different lifestyles. I don't know. It it really helps you understand God's love for all children. And mm-hmm. kind of you have to ask those questions earlier on, like, what's going on? Why do I have this? Why, why, why do they have something different? Yeah, I think uh, Mark Twain has a quote that's like, travel is the killer of prejudice or something like that, you know? So like my travel experience outside of Utah was for my Latter-day Saint mission. You know what I mean? That's outside of the United States, at least I've never really been anywhere else besides that. And even just being a missionary still like seeing the other cultures and stuff, like for me, at least it was kind of this prejudice killer in a lot of ways. And I can only imagine just like growing up in that, like how different that would be. Like, that's just, not my experience, but I agree. Like people should yeah, I, experience that if they can. Yeah, if right. you can. And if you mm-hmm. can't, you can't, you can't always leave, but you can read books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can listen to documentaries. There's so much that you can do to try and open your mind to, and your perspective to other people's views. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I feel like I definitely started out black and white or like simplicity of the church. And that if we get baptized and we do the A, B, and C, we will be blessed. All the good things will happen. And I definitely remember uh, a change and a growth as time went on and the different nuances and those hard questions that come up. Um, I really like this, um, this like four stage idea that is written about in Faith After Doubt by Brian McLaren. He talks about these different stages of simplicity. You first start in simplicity, then you go to complexity, then perplexity, and then harmony. And you can go in and out of phases, but I definitely have recognized myself. I don't feel like I've gone back to simplicity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do feel like sometimes the hardest is for people in that third stage perplexity to communicate with someone in simplicity because it's just so different in this like viewpoint. And um, so I definitely feel like I have questions I don't think everything is true or perfect in the church, but um, I still want to be a part of it. And I still have some really important founding truths. I would say that the most important aspect uh, or one grounding founding uh, experience uh, is definitely around centered around the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. And I remember serving as a missionary meeting a gentleman who said that he served a mission in Sweden as well. He was American living there married to a Swede. Um, and he said he didn't believe in God anymore. I just was like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> this really hard thing. Yeah, yeah. If God's not real. And I prayed for an angel and I prayed for like something miraculous to happen. And I, I even met people, I, I find it really interesting how people from Africa like have dreams, such different experiences. And I feel like, man, it's my culture that stuck me with this. Really <laughs> you. you know, why are the dreams coming to me? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I just uh, remember reading in my Book of Mormon one morning after having these prayers and like standing outside in the night before going to bed and pleading for something amazing to happen. Uh, I was reading in Mosiah, and that is one of my favorite areas. And I just all of a sudden had a clear thought, like, I believe these people are real. I really connected all of a sudden with the idea that Joseph Smith could have been more like a, a J.K. Rowling like mm-hmm. creating this fictional piece mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or these are real people who wrote their story. And I just really feel that I feel like I recognize their imperfections in their writing. Like Nephi, what was going on with you, man? You were- <laughs> <laughs> Why are you quoting the tree branch stuff <laughs> over and over and over? Or that was Jacob, I guess. Huh? Well, or just like, <laughs> why are you so rude to your brothers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I, I just, I think that's a really big part um, of my faith is grounded on the Book of Mormon. And I know I've heard um, different, you know, questions as to the validity of it. But for me, that is something that I keep going back to. Uh, And I just really maybe it's something genetic within me, but I just feel like I like believing in a God. And I like believing that every like little small things are come from God around me. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think I <clears throat> I listened to like this YouTube video one time and it wasn't necessarily about like seeing God, but it was seeing serendipity. Oh, yeah. You know, and like it was really interesting. There's like and I know this is a bit of a tangent, but okay. there was like this study done where they actually like like pre-programmed. They had two different participants and they pre-programmed like serendipitous stuff. Yeah. Like a dollar on the ground or like some guy, some person that's, you know, in the coffee shop, that's going to make your wildest dreams come true because he's some like financier guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they like had somebody who kind of like says that they, that they kind of live with seeking out serendipity and then somebody who doesn't believe in luck or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And they found that like, 
this person who believed in serendipity actually stumbled into all of these things they had set, whereas the other person who didn't believe in luck totally bypassed all of them, wow. the dollar on the ground, everything. <laughs> and so I think like, it's not the same thing, of course, but like oh, if yeah. you, in a way you could probably say that like, if you believe that God, you know, is bringing these great things into your life and you're looking for it, you're probably more likely to find it. Yes. Like correct. you find what you're looking for kind of thing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would make a shout out for the book that I was just telling Garrett about. It's called the awakened Oh, I'm gonna, uh, I can't remember if it's the awakened brain or the awakened mind. Um, and she's talking about the effects of spirituality on depression and um, anxiety. And she talks about, she uses the word synchronicity mm. um, in like, you can choose. It's almost like, I mean, I, I don't want to make people feel bad or, or decrease, but in my mind, like, we, I can't prove God did not come to me in a vision or not even in a vision, I didn't touch him or something, but mm-hmm. I can choose to like have this feeling. And then as I'm coming to my grave and about to die, I can be like, Oh, I'm going to have these good things happen to me. And then I die and nothing happens. Or we can have this other person who's like, I almost feel like, I don't know how you have peace with like not having a future afterwards and mm-hmm. right. nothing happens to either of us, but I sure feel like I, I had a good life yeah. believing that. Yeah. Right? Like even if there, even if it was all fake for yeah. some reason, like there's really no downside to believing kind totally. of. That yeah. is kind of a, also maybe something that helps me on my journey. Yeah. And no, I like that a lot. No, yeah. I can relate. It makes sense. I feel like yeah, I, it definitely I felt sense. that way for a long time too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's so awesome that's stuff. Eleven. I just can't wait to ask you more questions. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can we ask? Do you feel like there's any uh, big questions that you've ever had that you feel like you've had to reconcile or wrestled with, or maybe even like put on a shelf and ignore? Anything like that you've come across in your faith journey? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I think the very first one that I came across was when I was a teenager, before serving my mission, before going to college. Um, it was, if this is the true church of Jesus Christ, why in the world are we, why are there so few of us? Why is it only given to a very small population? That just like, doesn't make sense. (laughs) Um, other questions that I've had are, uh, the next probably big one that I'm remembering is reading the church's essays on blacks, blacks and the priesthood ban. And how the essay, I'm very summarizing it, but basically says it was a cultural, it was the culture that they were surrounded by. And when that light bulb popped off, it was like, well, there's a lot of things now that I have a question because what if it's all of our culture? Right. The big thing probably is women uh, because I am a woman and understanding the priesthood uh, and why, yeah. why you have to rely on a, a man's authority sort of, uh, maybe just like, why, why can't we all just hold the priesthood in the same way? I yeah. know that yeah. I, I do believe that I hold the, the power of the priest. I'm able to utilize the priesthood power as president Nelson has like tried to explain and share, yeah. but, um, it is it, the more that I have, I remember feeling at first, like women, I remember hearing the ordained women movement and feeling so not connected with that and just very at peace with like, no, this is my place and I'm okay with that. And then, uh, yeah, the, like the more I thought and have experienced, I, I feel like I'm okay with me not having this equal role. I'm okay if I'm not a bishop right now, but I personally believe that in the future, whether on this earth or later, I'll hold the priesthood in the same way. But, yeah. you know, that, I think that's we'll get awesome. to that one of those questions later on. Sure. Yeah. But that's definitely a question I've had. And I think that's an area also um, that then leads into other areas like gays, lesbians, LGBTQ field of like, is this cultural? And it's so ingrained in our culture. And that's why we can't. That's an area I don't I don't really know. I feel yeah. more confident in my women feeling. I don't feel, I I just feel unsure. I feel really confused. Um, uh, Another area that I I feel strongly about now too is Heavenly Mother. I um, have spent time talking to people who are just like, so like, okay, they told us not to pray to Heavenly Mother, so we're not going to do it. I 
just have this yearning that, okay, if you don't want to pray to her, how am I supposed to connect with her? And, um, there's a lot of different, uh, people who are helping push this area and, uh, and you know, how, how do we receive more revelation or connect with her? And I definitely have felt the more I've spent time thinking about her, the only things I have gained are feeling more love. And I just felt like I, I grew up in a family slash culture at church atmosphere where Heavenly Mother was never mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were to bring someone into the church and say, like, hey, come listen to our sacrament meeting, I wonder how long it would take for them to realize we believe in a Heavenly Mother. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. question. Yeah. Um, and I, I recognize, like, last two general conference ago they gave it uh elder redland gave a talk that like we need to be careful about making up stuff and that was specifically to women in the church right that, that was during, was the, women's during session. the women's session yeah okay and i felt like okay i i understand we don't want to make up stuff but at least we can talk we can like say her more anytime we say that god loves us we for sure can say she loves us too yeah and we just like don't mention her at all so like that's that's an area i have questions about and i don't know i feel like there's but the reconcile part all these questions the thing that i just like come back to is i don't know i gotta put it on my shelf but what i do feel confident is i believe the book of mormon and i believe god's real and i i love this community of people and i do believe that god has spoken to this prophet whether or not he's the only way mm. or the only direction back, but this is what I've been given and I feel directed to be here. Yeah. Like why look anywhere else if it's already there for you kind of, I feel like God has given me this path mm-hmm. uh, and that I can continue to seek and, and understand more about the other paths that he's given to other people. But I believe that I, f- I feel that this is the path that he has given me to him to get back to him. Um, and I, 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 I uh, don't know if we'll go into another one, but one of the most helpful books that I've read recently is by Patrick Mason um, called the, I can't, I'm not good at quoting the names right, the, the Restoration of the 21st Century, I think is okay. what it's called. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I just love this view he gives that the people on earth are a big farm. And God has given us all little parts, plots on the farm. And we are maybe in charge of the zucchini. And we for sure know how to build and make that zucchini. And it is so important. But he also gave somebody else potatoes. And he also gave somebody else wheat. And and we all are supposed to cultivate and give together. Like if we only had to eat zucchini, that would be terrible. (laughs) But when we can use wheat and make zucchini bread and chocolate... (laughs) With mm. bread and chips, it's like way better. Yeah. So I feel like that has definitely helped. Uh, for example, that one book has helped me reconcile that question. And I, um, yeah, that's a long, I don't even remember where I'm going at, but. Okay. No, I love that. I mean, like, kind of like the power of diversity almost. Like yeah. the power, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just, I want to keep picking your brain. It's I just, know, right? I'm loving everything you're saying. <laughs> it's so cool. I'm like flowing into another question. So yeah, I'm yeah. Sure I'll just wait for the question to come to keep going to it, but. Sure, yeah, if you got a thought, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, go to the next question. Okay. Kind of, with kind of a question that's, yeah. we didn't have scripted with this, with that. Um, I like, the, this is something that I've noticed, like, at least as I've gotten older, maybe it's been something that's been in the church for as long as I can, like, as long as time has been going on. But I feel like there's this kind of cultural shift, especially with like millennials and Gen Z's where there is a lot of this more like we're yeah. Openness and like acceptance of other religions and diversity. And it's like, we have truth, but we don't have like the truth necessarily. I'm wondering because like quotes I've heard from like previous like leaders and stuff kind of, kind of hound down a little bit more on like, no, this, this is, is like the only the way restored gospel. Yeah. At least like we have the priesthood and the ordinances to be able to get back to heavenly father in that sense. So how does that work? How does that work in there like, yeah, with you? I feel like, um, a big thing that I, I feel like, okay, we have the priesthood and we have this temple thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like if that is so true and people have to be baptized and we got to do it this way, 
then that's our commodity on the market. That's like our zucchini. But I just, I, there's also another person that I've listened to that I really like. Um, I can't remember his first name, but he's a McConkie. Um, and he has, he left the church, um, studied Buddhism. I yeah, I've say. heard it. I know who you're talking about, yes. but I don't, I can't remember his name either. So <laughs> some, some name. Like yeah. Yeah. Thomas McConkie. Okay. That sounds right. Um, but I just like, I, I, we don't have the market on meditation and like this deep, mm-hmm. like spiritual connection. And I feel like they probably do. Um, and I think that there's other areas that I haven't spent as much time, but like the idea of dreams, like if we went to Africa and spent more time there and understood their culture and the gifts that God gave them, I think we'd add more, you know what I mean? So I don't feel like just because there's other people out there that have good truths, it doesn't make me want to like jump up and leave. Mm-hmm. I just am like, I'm going to take mine with it and I want to pull all yeah, this like other stuff. Add in. it in, kind sure. of factory in other things you learn into yes. what you already have. Exactly. And yeah. I think one of your questions was like, what do you wish you could make different about mm-hmm. the church? Yeah. Yeah. So we can go into that one. Yeah. yeah. So that was the next that one actually. So that's <laughs> perfect. As we talk about this, I um, met this, I met this wonderful lady. Um, I feel like it was one of those serendipitous moments mm-hmm. or God, you know, if I, I try and write in my journal every night about like, how was God present today? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was one of those things I wrote down, but I was at park hopping is what I'm going to say. We were going from one park to the next park to the next park. <laughs> and she was the only other mom there with her kids. And I started talking to her and it turns out she had recently moved to Utah from Texas and her husband is a preacher. And I was thought, oh my gosh, that's got to be so hard coming to this very, uh, I'm guessing if you're a preacher, you're not part of the LDS church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started asking her all these questions about their church and wanting to know more how, how her experience has been, how she'd been feeling accepted and making community here. And then I asked her if I could go to her church and she said, oh, totally. You can totally come. So I went there, the Antioch church. I can't remember what else goes with it, but Antioch is there. Um, they're a non-denominational Christian church. Okay. And so I brought my family. They have, um, a band. So they have like a set of drums, a guitar, piano, and they spend the first, they had like some worship music is what they call it. Um, at the beginning, um, then the kids go I went on a special day actually where the kids were part of the beginning. So usually they'll, they have like a kid's place. We could call it primary, but they go to their section. And then, so they have like a worship set where everyone is mostly standing. They have words up on a screen and we're singing along. It's loud. Uh, then they'll have like a preacher, the preacher come and give a little sermon. It's maybe like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then they bring back in the music and then you do the, we call it sacrament, but communion and end with more of that worship music. And I, I felt the spirit so strong. Mm. I was moved way more than I am when I'm singing hymns in the sacrament meeting. Mm. Wow. And I want to say it's because we're all terrible singers. <laughs> <laughs> we should just have professionals do it. Yeah, maybe. Right. Well, it was something yeah. about being <laughs> in immersed in loud music that I'm not hearing my bad voice and I'm not hearing my neighbor's bad voice. And the, like, you know, drum, like when you go to a concert, you can, you can feel that same like powerful connection with people or just like we're connected Mm -hmm. and music is so powerful. And I, um, that's one area I think that we could maybe get some better music. They're supposed to be working on better hymn books. I've heard that. It's been like five years in the making though. And it, they supposedly got like way more responses than they thought. And I don't know. I'm so, they should hire like Hans Zimmer. Like (laughs) (laughs) I would be down. They got enough money. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I'm trying not to get my hopes too much up because I know it's still, there's something that's so hard about running a worldwide church. Like, how can we say we need drums? I don't know, but I hope it's, I hope it's amazing. But I decided that 
man, I think I'm going to go there sometimes because it's a different form of meditation. And I've spent that time texting my friend and asking her, hey, send me some of your worship sets and music. And since then, I have added in music more into my worship time, if you want to call it, or my scripture study. Mm-hmm. And I have found... Uh, a lot more spiritualness or just like I'm more moved Mm. than I was just when I was reading my scriptures. Yeah. Wow. Um, And so that's another like, um, you know, trying to find truths from other areas and bringing it in and yet uh, also adding like, I wish I would change music. I also (laughs) change like maybe garments. Can we? My sister (laughs) has this idea that Maybe we could get rid of garments and just like tattoo the markings onto us. <laughs> I love that. That'd be kind of awesome. I've definitely thought about that recently. I'm like, I don't know, because I've considered getting a tattoo yes. the past few months. I'm like, something that would mean something to me in at least my first one. Yeah. And I'm like, members could like still acknowledge that that's like a good thing because, you know, garments are supposed to be like a daily reminder for you and stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, hmm. what would prohibit us from like tattooing those marks on our bodies? Yeah. Because they would be there all the time. They would. Yeah, your, your skin is wear, your garment. We could wear yeah. normal underwear that's made by professional right. underwear. Designed for whatever sure. activity you're doing. Not, yeah. <laughs> whatever the weather is. But <laughs> I, I think when I was thinking about this question, I could come up with a lot of nitpicky things like I'd say, bring in yeah. Heavenly Mother. Yeah. Um, have these LGBTQ problems solved or, um, you know, can we go on that for a second? Like LGBTQ, like what would in your mind ideally be the best way to balance LGBTQ issues and like people with those deeply held beliefs and like who they are really versus like what the church teaches, like what would be the best way to Blend that. Yeah. In your mind. Um, I think the best way to solve this problem is that the prophet needs to pray and get some more stuff added to the family proclamation. Mm -hmm. But I I think that they're trying to say that we need to love everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a major thing. And I think when I came down to it, what I wish, if I could pick one thing, Mm -hmm. um, it wouldn't be the music or the garments. It would be that everyone in the church could be Christ-like. Because yeah. if everyone could be Christ-like, per- like perfectly, like <laughs> yeah. but really, if everyone could be, even if you don't believe in Christ, if everyone could be that idea though mm-hmm. of perfect love towards others, mm-hmm. like unconditional, unconditional love, love yeah. and um, selfless, we'll add it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our problems would go away. No, I totally agree with you. I agree too. I, I think that a lot of the issues that like there still is that problem, yeah. like okay, but what about can they be married in the temple? How, like, how does that work? I think it doesn't yeah. fix everything, but for sure they would feel loved and accepted and welcomed mm-hmm. um, more easily. And people who are like old generation, like our grandparents, they they're probably like they don't know how to love these type of people they've like this is so foreign to them yeah totally um but like if we could all just be mother Teresa. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i agree so that'd be like, awesome that'd be so reformative yeah yeah but i think that's like that's part of life is we're all supposed to try and learn to be like that right yeah yeah i yeah. would agree yeah it's a very the the jesus that i like oh, yeah. grew up with like knowing and stuff was just kind of like the perfect example yeah right and if everyone could be like that, whether you, yeah, like what you said, whether you're a Christian or not, yeah, that's, I don't think you can argue like those principles are a bad or B like not noteworthy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. So would you, do you see homosexuality like the act of like acting with you know, same sex couples? Uh, Is that like a sin? Is that... I don't, I don't know if it really matters what I think. Okay. But I I also think I am so affected by my culture. And gay and lesbian has been around me a lot longer. I feel much more comfortable in feeling like, man, these these people, like, who am I to say that you can't um, love and have companionship when that's such a big part of our life. Right. With mm-hmm. a person that you feel attracted to. Um, I listened to Christofferson, um, Todd Christofferson, I think is mm-hmm. the son, yeah. is the brother, yeah, yeah. um, who mm-hmm. is gay. Um, I think Tom, 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 Tom yes, you're right. Sorry. Um, 
I listened to his book and um, I just felt like that was really helpful to see this different perspective. I personally have nobody extremely close, like not a best friend who mm-hmm. is gay or lesbian. I have several friends that I feel like I could ask them questions and understand them. But um, so I feel like that uh, I've come farther in that perspective that I feel personally, I, I, I have a hard time understanding God's plan. I, I, if they're loving this person, how is this going to work in heaven? Cause they're still loving this person. They're still creating this connection with this person. And right. I think I, I feel strongly about chastity mm-hmm. and being monogamous with a person and the, the blessings that brings to a family, to a community, mm-hmm. to the world. Um, so I, I guess those like negative traits that people would pinpoint on gay, uh, uh, you know, previous actions like, oh, they're so promiscuous and mm-hmm. they like sleep around with a lot of people. I, I wouldn't feel like that's what I'm so okay with, but that's like, I feel like that's different. You know? Yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. a big stereotype too. Yeah. You know, like there are, yeah, you can't yeah. generalize yeah. people because of that. I, so. I have a harder time understanding um, transgender as much. And I feel like it's because it's newer and I haven't yeah. have it as much experience. So I don't feel like I can talk very much about that. I do. I think the only main thing I still have a really hard time with, um, even coming from a, I feel like I'm not allowed to say this, but I should be allowed to say my feelings. Say it. (laughs) Uh, I have a really hard time with people doing surgery on their body to change who they are. Uh, I just, surgery in general is a risky thing. Mm -hmm. We should, I personally don't feel like we should try and do surgery to fix any little thing there's always risks involved in surgery coming from like a medical background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just going under anesthesia is there's, there's risks that involved. And I, I do feel like, um, we're given this body and whether or not you feel like you want to be called by a different name and have a different tone of voice dress differently, but, uh, surgery, I just have, I have a hard time with it. No, Maybe I, in yeah. years to come, I'll feel so different because I've been around it differently, but right now, I have a really hard time. No, even uh, myself, kind of like on even being outside the church, I also have a hard time with that too. Like I, I actually, in my work, I work a lot with uh, adolescents that have gender dysphoria and that's a very unique sort of conflict within them is like, well, you, you have this gender dysphoria, but then it's, then the question eventually comes is what do we do about it? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and I, I have a hard time with that too. It's like on, on the one hand you can, accept and embrace who you are, right? And then choose to act out, kind of reflecting who you believe you are mm-hmm. versus Surgery. altering yourself to try to fit how you feel about yourself, yeah. you know? And I think that probably goes along the same lines that I I don't really love, I, I personally won't get a boob job. I don't like Botox. I don't like it. I want, I want to love the body that I've been given. I'm supposed yeah. to get wrinkles and they're going to be dang awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. What, what's that? Uh, is it the, the mommy makeover? Is no, that the thing that's like common in Utah? Yeah. But, yeah. I just, I feel so, but I, I recognize other people do it and, yeah. You know, there's space for people to be different, but yeah. And maybe it would be eventually. That might be, be also yeah. where I'm coming from. It's like, I don't even like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And I, yeah. And it, that would be, kind of nice sometime to discuss maybe with somebody who's open to talking us through <laughs> this is, yeah, you know what I mean? I a transgender person. Yeah. A transgender yes. person would be, be so that would be really helpful because totally. I feel like there's some gaps we're all missing here. Exactly. You, no matter in or out of the church, you know, it's, yeah. it's a unique issue. The other area, just cause I'm a female is, and I, I spent some time in track and sports is that I just have a really hard time allowing, even if you want to be called a girl, you racing against me that I just have a hard time with. I ran and worked really hard to get my mile time mm-hmm. and the slowest guy on the team could be my mile time. Like that's, I just also, mm-hmm. that's another area, but I don't want to go into Yeah, we don't need to get into that too much, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, a, that's an interesting topic that I want to talk about that eventually. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think we've probably gone over this next question quite a bit already. What kind of views do you have, if any, that you believe aren't common among church members? I think we've kind of talked yeah. about a few of those, but are there any you want to add to that? Um, I, 
I think I've mentioned a lot of them, like Heavenly Mother and yeah. just this idea that I don't know if, at least on this earth, I don't know if um, this is the only way back to God. Whether like all happens later, really far down in the existence of forever, eternity. Um, but I just feel so strongly that God has a way for each of his children to come back. And it doesn't all involve coming into this church. Mm-hmm. And I think that they know that, like they've said, not, we are supposed to be like the yeast mm-hmm. and the salt mm-hmm. that if everybody was the salt, it would be bad. Yeah. It's not <laughs> supposed to be like that. That's right? a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's supposed to be other flavors and sometimes we get so focused. And I think that's a hard thing when people leave the church or when you're coming from such a narrow point of view where you've only been surrounded by members and you feel like everyone's got to be a member like you don't know how to interact with rosemary and sage and thyme and <laughs> flower. <laughs> like you don't understand their purposes. So I think being curious and understanding just like more openness of like, there's a lot of things I don't know and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But somehow that doesn't make me want to leave. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like one point that you said there, just kind of like, I forgot how you phrase it, but just kind of this idea that like, not, not that everybody has to be saved in the same way, you know? And I've, I've contemplated that a bit myself where it's just kind of like, you know, in, in the church, we believe about, you know, in the afterlife, there's those three kingdoms, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes I've thought about it, like, especially being out of the church, uh, removing my name from the church eventually. And then just kind of feeling like, Oh, well, like if this actually is all true, like I'm probably going to end up in like one of those lower kingdoms. And like, how do I feel about that? If that actually happened. And then part of me is like, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, is it okay if I don't necessarily want to be in that top kingdom? Like if it's kind of like general conference, you know, or like, you know, going to church, you know, maybe I wouldn't want to be in that kingdom, you know, and is that bad? You know, like I know it's the highest glory. Right. But like, you know, can I, can I, embrace a, a, a difference I guess and it's it's not necessarily worse it's just different I don't know that's been something I've contemplated a lot I think I went to a fireside last week that was based around it was in the stake and it was based around like faith questions and stuff like that and you could submit questions anonymously so me and my wife went and there was a few dozen people there like it wasn't huge but um, one of the guys it was a panel of people within the stake the stake president there's a BYU professor who's in our stake and they also had like some just general women in the church in the stake and stuff and so they were answering these questions and he got up I think the question was like how do we reconcile when people like loved ones do leave the church Mm -hmm. and he brought up this like I don't know where this teaching has come from but it's like been woven into our culture that if you're not in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom you're in hell yeah. You know what I mean? But we right. know Whereas, Right. We like, know, like, didn't Gordon B. Hingley say something yeah. about, like, the, the, the lowest... The going to be, like, mind-blowing. Like, yeah, like, way yeah. better than here. And I'm yeah. like, well, I'll, I'll take it. You know? right. <laughs> like, I'll take it. I'm pretty happy already. So, like, like <laughs> the Mormon version of hell is actually reserved for very few people. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. sons of perdition. Sons of perdition. Stuff, outer darkness. Like and yeah. there's different teachings on who actually does go there and I've heard but we won't get into that so it's too much drama yeah <laughs> I, I was actually I was actually talking with this I have a, a buddy of mine I won't mention his name but I used to work with him and he's Jewish and he was very curious about you know kind of what the Mormon teachings were and he's like so do you guys believe in like a heaven and a hell and I was just like well kind of it's kind of like we have like three positive kingdoms, three heavens, I guess. And then we don't really call it hell. We call it like outer darkness. And he was like, he was like, Oh my gosh, that's like even worse. You know? <laughs> so funny. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That, it's so fun to, I think that's like my favorite thing is to just learn about different people and understand what makes them unique and mm-hmm. my game from being friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to, especially within the Latter-day Saint movement, mm-hmm. bring right. the ex-members and the believing members like together and meet, like at yeah. least be able to understand where the other one is coming from. Right. You know what I mean? One thing I had a thought, I don't know where this would weave in, but just that sometimes we feel like this is so um, just within my church. My Mormon church is causing me all this grief and I've had all these challenges and now I'm like out of it. But I think you would find um, the same thing happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
whether it is uh, a religion that's causing you feeling mm-hmm. this or like a small pocket of community like think yeah. about politics maybe politics yeah. Totally. yeah right so to i think to help decrease the isolation mm-hmm. which i think is a, a negative part mm-hmm. of you know having to go through these experiences is to recognize like this is a normal human experience that happens mm-hmm. all over the world um and then it, it can I think decrease some of the anger that happens when you feel so angry towards something that's caused you such pain that yeah if you can kind of break it down a little bit more like it's not all good all bad yeah and it's not just like only the church but it's like yeah it's like the culture of the world and how things just work Yeah. yeah and like yeah everybody has things that they maybe would appreciate being out of their culture yeah like or things they maybe regret or things that they yeah and there's also those pockets of people who like don't change and like are so stuck on the culture sure you Uh know and uh and, like want everything to stay the same so i don't know how that really works into everything but i do feel like if we can help bring it to like a more global feeling that um i'm sure there'll be people who listen like i like the mormon stories he says like there's a lot of people who don't who aren't members of the of this church mm-hmm. that are Jewish and you know other mm-hmm. areas that are feeling similar feelings and that the yeah and that's important to validate yeah, yeah recognize yeah, yeah. this yeah. Um, faith crisis is not just happening to Latter Day Saints right Correct. yeah and I think going uh, Louise and I were talking about this too is like do do you think that there are a lot of ex members from other religions totally. and do they have a community because like that's kind of neat in the ex Mormon communities there, there's a there's a community you know there's a lot of people you can talk to there's a lot of support Mm -hmm. you know i think maybe more so than there was in the past and do other religions cultures you know political groups if you will you know do do they have the same types of groups and support systems for people who are maybe shifting their views Uh, i I think they exist but they're not i think the more demanding the organization was of your time and i i say that like looking at the church like they do. I mean, you covenant to give it your time, your talents and everything to the church. Right. Um, so what else that comes to mind is like Jehovah's witnesses. They are very like asked to do lots of heavy things within that, um, religion, uh, Islam, Muslims as well. Like there's lots of rules with like other religions. So I think the more demanding the religion, the more the X community of that, Mm. is a little bit more a vocal yeah pushing back kind of pushing it. back against it whereas like just christianity evangelical yeah maybe Christian, they wouldn't be as hard yeah it's kind of just like I oh we can that. have these feelings yeah. and stuff and like i don't believe in god anymore but like i'm not as critical about a lot of things you know what i mean yeah like maybe if there was more nuance already kind of pre-built into whatever organization or belief system mm-hmm. then it wouldn't feel as much as like there was anything to leave you know right right <laughs> if the if the lines were blurry enough you know there's not really any leaving or not, or joining maybe i don't know yeah 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 that's interesting <laughs> yeah um this is such an awesome conversation, yeah. by the way. I'm liking it. Yeah. Are you enjoying being here? Yeah. Okay. Good. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Have you, uh, have you had any family members or close friends uh, leave the church? You don't have to go on any specifics on names or anything like that. If so, uh, how do you reconcile or maintain relationships with them? Yeah, I think um, there's a reason why I'm in Utah. Unfortunately, I feel like God wants me to be here. (laughs) And part of it is, I think, because of my exposure to friends leaving. Like, Louise is one example. When I kind of found out, like, she's not going to church anymore. Like, every, I think every time someone leaves your club, it's like, oh, but I'm not going to see you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's so much of a part of your life. So how do you integrate somebody out of that? Yeah, and then there's also that idea of, like, this eternal family that, like, I don't know how this works anymore, but I think that, um, I think that's something we all need to, or something that I have learned and am growing. It, it hurts every time a little bit, but I think it's, like I said, it's like they're kind of leaving my club that I'm in and I get to talk to them about it. I, Mm. I get to see them more frequently due to it, whether it's at church functions or things. Um, but I think when someone leaves the church, they are going to go through um, the phases of grief. Yeah. And 
allowing that, like, I think that's part of life is for me to feel that sadness, um, but to like be okay with it. And to also recognize they're going through sadness and stages and to sit with it mm-hmm. and be with them mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And I think that's so hard. I think one of your next questions is like, um, something about, can you read the next question? Yeah. What's one negative stereotype you feel ex Mormons have towards believing members? And then also the same vice question. Vice, yeah. So I feel like, um, I think something that's hard is when people are in the anger phase of grief, like there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And I think anytime someone leaves the church, like this is a big thing that they're, they're like leaving a lifestyle. Totally. And especially if you're leaving because you feel like you've been lied to, um, tricked, given so much time, money, um, of course there's like going to be an anger stage. And I think it's hard to maintain friendship when people are in the anger stage, especially when somebody in that anger stage, they might just sort of, um, you know, blanket over everybody who's in the church, you know, even the friendships that were there, like, you know, just because you're in the church, they'll include you in that big church, right. That, that idea of the church that they so much have an issue with. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like, I'm just thinking about like a teenager or something, right? Like when they're hurt, they're going to lash out and they're going to like say all these different things they don't necessarily mean. Right. And it's just like, and if you think about it, not, um, I was just talking to my neighbor about this. Um, and she, uh, grew up in the LDS church and now is not a part of it. The church of Jesus Christ. A lot of these things. I don't know. <laughs> we say Mormon a lot just cause yeah, we do, here, but that's not, not to be offensive to anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and say Latter-day Saints. Okay. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, she was saying when she left, she also, she recognized she went through those phases, but so did her parents. They also are going to go through grief mm-hmm. and be in an anger stage. And they're in the church, the parents. Yes. Okay. Parents. Like if you think about it, yeah. the child is leaving their, their place. Yeah. And that's know? scary. And that's all of a sudden realizing like, Oh, maybe they're not going to be with me. Totally. Right. In the eternities totally. or something. Yeah. yeah. Having yeah. to go through those same grieving periods. So I think, um, if we all could just be like psychiatrists, not psychiatrists, <laughs> psychologists, <laughs> um, if we can all just like understand each other's like being able, we're supposed to have sadness, we're supposed to have joy, we're supposed to go through these periods. And if we can sit with one another and listen, let them shout the anger out, which is so hard to be around, but then hopefully you'll watch them go through into the acceptance period. And yeah, maybe they'll be more inclined to be with you as well during, you know, maybe you can even come together on the fact that this is uncomfortable for both of us, or this is hard for both of us, but we can still be there for each other during this. Yeah. And I think that's, um, yeah, I I think that's the hardest, the, the part that is so important is to like recognize what, what stage are you in? And sometimes if they are in the super angry stage, we just can't talk about that stuff. We gotta yeah. Enough, you know? right. That was like kind of a boundaries episode we talked about. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes oh, yeah. you have to set some rules for yes. other I people and yourself for like conversations to have. So yeah, like, don't testify to me. I'm just not okay with that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that's what I, I don't, what was the first question? Again? Yeah. How do you reconcile relationships oh, yeah. with people that have oh, laughed? Yeah. I think you just want to like, I, that's what's also hard is that you can't be everybody's friend. And so you're like, oh, but I got to be friends right. with people in the church. But now you're left the church and now so I can't like love you while you're at church. So now I got to leave church and go yeah. love you there too. Sure. It can feel overwhelming to have too many friends. I, I, that's my yeah. challenge sometimes. It was like you too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a very I feel loved by being with other people. I was like, I don't really have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like taking it to, just to still be friends with them. I think we all know that that's, that's what really, you don't want to just be loved because you go to church. Like, right. You want to be right. loved for you. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And okay. So next question that we have here is how are we doing on time, by the way? we have left uh we're approaching an hour approaching an hour we just have like i think one more question yeah how do you personally maintain a testimony of the church slash gospel slash jesus (laughs) okay i love this because i think the hardest part i have if when someone leaves is that i'm okay with them leaving the main thing i so desire for them is still to have a connection with god 
mm-hmm. for me, um, and whether or not you have to call it God, but just like, like a spiritual practice of some kind. Yeah. There's just something within me that yearns for people to have that connection. Uh, that brings me such peace and joy. And I think, um, uh, so like there's so many, we already know, like the primary answers are read your scriptures, say your prayers, go to church, X, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, and I definitely feel like, um, as I've had more questions, I feel strongly that I must follow these so that I don't leave. Right. Uh If I have questions, I better read my scriptures every day. (laughs) Um, But what I have noticed that's more the most, almost, uh, probably like prayer and next to prayer slash equal to prayer for me is to write in my journal. And what I'm writing in my journal is how that I saw God present today. And I think it stems from that experience with that um, member or that person I met in Sweden that he just didn't believe in God anymore. And um, after I met him, pretty much my journal became evidence for me. If I ever go through some kind of spiritual crisis that I feel like God's not there anymore, I want this journal to be evidence to me that like there, there was something there. And then I felt something. And so, um, I, it feels sad. It makes me feel sad when you hear a talk in church that they're like sharing a spiritual experience and it's from like 50 years ago from their mission. You're like, wow, don't you have spiritual experiences still? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I for sure hope you do. And so I, I just feel like, um, just like you said, the person who like believes in, uh, in serendipity, they like see more and more of it, yeah. whether or not it's real or not. I just, I feel like by trying to see every day, could that have been God? And I remember at first, like, maybe I should, I don't know. Was that really God? doesn't matter. Just write it down. Just just write it down. And I felt like it brings me joy. It brings me peace. It brings like greater meaning on the whole of life. Like, like I said, let's say God's not real. This is all fake. I think I'm still better off doing these practices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing that I, um, like the Jesus thing, I think that we need to leave the religious. I just have been reading another book that I'll mention. It's called the beautiful outlaw. I think I said that right. Yeah. Um, and it, it goes, it's very similar vein to the TV show, the chosen, Okay. Jesus in that. I don't know. Have you I've seen that? the first two. Watch that. I've, I've seen the first two seasons of it. Oh I really liked it. So he's that Jesus is the mom. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just feel like this super strong connection to this, this true Jesus that sometimes we get so stuck on these like problems that we're seeing in church. Like why, why haven't they changed the freaking pamphlet for the youth yet? And I finally did. Like, <laughs> that was such a cool change. Yeah. Why are these things not changed yet? But if I can just move past those questions and focus on the Jesus that I know and that I want to be, and like that's the main point of all of this, Mm. is to make the world a better place. If we can all be like this, Jesus or Mother Teresa or Gandhi, that would solve so many of our problems. Mm. And I, I think we have come a long way. I do feel like I don't have this negative view that most of the world is bad and yeah. Just the people within the church are good. I, I have a hard part in that, like the wicked parts in the Bible and the Book of Mormon where they use that word. Because I just feel like most people I know are really not wicked. We for sure have some selfish parts about us. Right. Yeah. Sure. Maybe some wicked acts here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I guess I don't know. It's like most people aren't rapists and murderers, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wicked's a heavy word, right? I, yeah. 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 Like, so I just feel like on the whole feeling that people are good and it's just so helpful and, and wanting to connect with that guy. I, so I think that's the biggest thing is I write in my journal. I'm trying to write in my journal every night and I do do these other things that I feel like do bring me community and joy. And, um, but I think that's what I would hope that I can still ask for people and like whether or not it's a God or, but that you can have some kind of spiritual practice that helps you reflect Hey, that was pretty selfish of me. Like, help me to become better yeah. and notice those beautiful things around us that can help us be more joyful and make a world better place. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's such a awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, thank you for coming on today. Yes. Thanks um, for having this yeah. great conversation. I know. It's such a good conversation. Yeah. We really enjoyed having you on. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Are there any questions that you have for us before we sign no, off? I was or? thinking like this feels so one-sided. <laughs> uh, Honestly, this is what we wanted. Yeah, yeah we, want, we really wanted. We've been talking for the past five, yeah, six episodes. We've, so. we've had hours of conversations on the air. And just Y'all us. know your yeah. views. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's being refined, but yeah. like definitely our views have been shared. And so, yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's just really refreshing to have your perspective in on this. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you in the next two weeks. We appreciate right. it. Take care. Remember to uh, send us an email if you have any content suggestions or questions or comments. So LDSBridgeBuilders at gmail.com. Thanks.